Good morning and welcome to Sunday Morning with Love in Action. I am Ken Tuck. Thank you for joining me this morning. I hope everything is going well for you. I know this will be a busy week for many as we come up on the Christmas week, Christmas Eve coming up, and then of course Christmas Day. If you're out there traveling, please be safe. There's always a lot of folks traveling this time of year, so be safe out there. And remember, let's all keep Jesus at the center of our celebration because he is what this holiday is all about. Let's celebrate him. Let's celebrate his birth. And let's be sure that we're sharing that with others, especially those who do not know Jesus. This is an awesome time to share him with others. We're going to continue our study of the 50 Commands of Christ. We are coming up on the end of it. We have four more commands left, and today we will start with number 47. But before we do, let's go to our Heavenly Father in prayer. Father God, we praise you. We love you. God, thank you. You love us so much that you gave us your one and only Son, and that whosoever believes in him shall not perish but have everlasting life. Lord, we know that you're saying we won't perish spiritually because, God, we know one day these bodies are going to give out and each one of us will face death. And the question is, do we know where we're going? And, Father, you give us the way, your son Jesus, who is the way, the truth, and the life and the only way to the Father. And if we just receive that precious gift of your son Jesus, we shall have forgiveness of sin and eternal life. So God, I pray that if anyone's listening this morning and they're not sure where they'll go when they die, I pray they will call upon the name of Jesus Christ and be saved this morning. Father, I thank you for your tremendous love. I thank you for your mercy, your grace. God, I pray for those who are traveling this week, this coming weekend. Lord, that you would just watch over them, keep them safe, Father God. And Lord, may families who gather, Lord, gather and enjoy their time together. But Lord, may all of our celebrations be focused on you. God, we need to celebrate this precious gift of yours each and every day. And I do thank you, Father. Oh, Lord Jesus, thank you for paying that price for us. And thank you, Jesus, that you came to give us life and life abundantly. And only in you is there life, Lord. So, Lord, I just want to praise you and thank you and just want to lift people up as well this morning who may be down, may be depressed because some loved ones have died this past year and they're going through their first Christmas without them. Father, I pray that you just bring comfort through your Holy Spirit to them. And, Lord, let them remember the good times and just let your peace reign in their hearts and reign in their minds. I thank you we can come to you, Father, with anything and everything. And you care about us. Matter of fact, Father, you want us to cast our cares upon you, Lord Jesus, because you care for us. So, Father, we just want to again say we praise you, we love you, and we thank you. And thank you for your word as we open it up this morning. Holy Spirit, teach us. Lead God and direct us into all truths. And it's in your name, Jesus, we pray. Amen. Command number 47 of the 50 commands of Christ is feed my sheep. John chapter 21, verses 15 through 17. When they had finished breakfast, Jesus said to Simon Peter, Simon, son of John, do you love me more than these? He said to him, Yes, Lord, you know that I love you. He said to him, Feed my lambs. He said to him a second time, Simon, son of John, do you love me? And he said to him, Yes, Lord, you know that I love you. And he said to him, Tend my sheep. He said to him the third time, 
Simon, son of John, do you love me? Peter was grieved because he said to him the third time, do you love me? And he said to him, Lord, you know everything. You know that I love you. Jesus said to him, feed my sheep. This is an encounter between Jesus and Peter after Peter had denied Christ. Jesus was beaten, crucified, and had risen from the grave. And he had come to his disciples to show that he has risen from the grave and he is alive. And this awesome time of restoration as Jesus restores Peter and shows that he forgives him. And it's, there's so much in the scripture, but we can't get into all of it today because we need to keep on the 50 commands of Christ. But most commentaries, they focus only on the question, do you love me? And that's a good thing to focus on because it does show the restoration of Peter. So it shows that we can be restored to Christ. And of course, Jesus asked Peter three times and he says, feed my sheep. And so just so much has been written by commentators discussing the fact that Jesus uses agape, which the word agape, which is Greek for love, unselfishly, sacrificially, the type of love that God has for us. The first two times, two out of the three times, first two times, he uses the Greek word agape. And the third time is the Greek word philio, which has to do with brotherly affection or love. And there's one school of thought that seems probable that the original conversation took place in Aramaic or possibly Hebrew. And therefore, there would not have been any difference expressed because both Aramaic and Hebrew, those languages, have only one basic word for love, and that's ahav. Thus, it seems best to regard the interchange between agape and philio, those Greek words uh, in these verses, as a minor stylistic variation of John as he was writing about this encounter with Jesus and Peter. Many commentators feel that the main and indeed only meaning of this passage is that we fail Jesus And he lovingly restores us just as he did with Peter, as we just read. We can never fall too far from Jesus. We can't fall outside of his love. And that's all correct, and that's all right. And that is so important to know and to understand, because sometimes we feel like we've fallen too far. But Jesus is right there, and his love is right there waiting for us to turn to him. And he's going to forgive us. He's going to save us. He's going to love us, because he doesn't stop loving us. But one thing that's often ignored, though, is the second part of this scripture, which is vitally important, and that's the phrase, feed my sheep. So is loving Jesus more important than feeding his lambs or his sheep? Well, my opinion is they are both extremely important. Indeed, feeding the sheep or the followers of Jesus is the way Jesus wanted Peter and us to show our love for him. Because we have read during this series of the 50 Commands of Christ about we can show our love for Jesus by obeying his commands, by following him. And so this is another command that he wants us to do. He wants us to feed his sheep or feed his lambs, feed his followers, which means teaching the word of God to them, teaching his commands to them, and teaching them how to live for Jesus our Lord, our Savior, our Messiah, our King. And with respect to the two words used on feed, because there's two words here where it says, feed my sheep and tend my sheep. And then Jesus says in the third question, feed my sheep. So there's twice he uses the word feed my sheep. And they have two different meanings. 
they do actually mean to feed. However, there is a nuance here which is important for apologetics purposes, and apologetics is about defending our faith against others who from other faiths or no faith at all. We know that the Messiah, Jesus, had appointed Peter to be the rock upon which the church would be built, and we can find that in Matthew chapter 16, verse 18. And here, Jesus has given him a command to do two things in service to the church, to feed by giving spiritual nourishment and the other use of the word feed by juridical governance, that is by shepherding the flock and ruling over them. There are a number of other references to followers of Jesus being sheep, such as in Numbers chapter 27, verses 16 through 17. It reads, May the Lord, the God of the spirits of all mankind, appoint a man over this community to go out and come in before them, one who will lead them out and bring them in, so the Lord's people will not be like sheep without a shepherd. In Psalms 119, verse 176, I have strayed like a sheep. Seek your servant, for I have not forgotten your commands. Isaiah chapter 53, verse 6 We, all like sheep, have gone astray. Each of us has turned to his own way, and the Lord has laid on him the iniquity of us all. In Matthew chapter 9, verse 36, when he saw the crowds, he had compassion on them, because they were harassed and helpless, like sheep without a shepherd. 1 Peter chapter 2, verse 25, for you were like sheep going astray, but now you have returned to the shepherd and overseer of your soul. Getting back to the terms feed and how they were used, there are more accurate Bible translations, which list three slightly different commands. Number one, feed my sheep, meaning feed, teach, support, nourish people new to the faith. And that was the first use of feed that Jesus told Peter to feed my sheep. Now, the second time Jesus said, tend my sheep, And he's saying, care for, rule over them, keep together people who are believers. And then the third time, which was the second usage of the term feed, feed my sheep, it's the same as number one, but it's implying that these sheep, these followers are more mature believers, where the first time he used it, he was talking about new believers. And so this is the command that Jesus gives Peter and he gives all of us, all believers, in him, all followers of Jesus. In a totally practical sense, I want you to think about how would you personally carry out this command to feed my lambs? How about tend my sheep and feed my sheep? Jesus often describes his followers as sheep, and and we read some instances of that already. So what are some characteristics of sheep? Well, we know that sheep are really helpless animals, and without a shepherd, they are harassed, they're helpless, They go astray. And let's read from the Gospel of John, chapter 10, verses 27 through 30. Jesus says, My sheep hear my voice, and I know them, and they follow me. I give them eternal life, and they will never perish, and no one will snatch them out of my hand. My Father, who has given them to me, is greater than all, and no one is able to snatch them out of the Father's hand. I and the Father are one. So we know that sheep, they listen to the shepherd. And they depend on the shepherd. And we do. We do depend on Jesus. We do know his voice and we follow him. And without Jesus in our lives, we go astray and we are helpless. 
and the enemy comes in like a roaring lion, as the word says, and he's looking for those he can devour. But Jesus, he wants to come into our lives, knock the enemy out of our lives, and lead us and guide us in his way. So feed my sheep, Jesus says. Now, you may be thinking, well, I'm not a pastor. Well, a lot of people are not pastors, but God wants us to be those who make disciples. And when you make a disciple, you are feeding a new believer. You are teaching, in other words, teaching a new believer about Jesus, or even a believer who's been a believer for many years, but just has not been taught that. So we need to be about our father's business. And he tells us to feed his sheep, then we need to do that. And again, it's not necessarily being a pastor. And yes, that's a big part of a pastor's job is equipping the saints, equipping believers with the Word of God. But as believers and as disciple makers, we have to feed his sheep. We have to teach, train new believers, mature believers in the Word of God. And we need to be trained ourselves. So if you're starting to make disciples, don't think that you've arrived and you don't need teaching anymore because you do. (laughs) I don't care how long we walk with Jesus, live for him, teach his word, even preach his word. We still need to be learning ourselves. So let's remember to, Jesus tells us to feed his sheep. Number 48 and 49, they really go together because it's the great commission. Number 48 is make and baptize disciples. And number 49 is teach disciples to obey all of Christ's commands. And let's read the Great Commission, Matthew chapter 28, verses 18 through 20. And Jesus came and said to them, All authority in heaven and on earth has been given to me. Go therefore and make disciples of all nations, baptizing them in the name of the Father and of the Son and of the Holy Spirit, teaching them to observe all that I have commanded you. And behold, I am with you always to the end of the age. Jesus gives us four instructions in these two verses. Let's look at them, and I want you to ask yourself, how are you doing on each one of these? Number one, go. Number two, make disciples. Number three, baptize them in the name of the Father, Son, and the Holy Spirit. Notice that singular. It doesn't say the names. Jesus says the name of the Father, Son, and and Holy Spirit, showing that Father, Son, and Holy Spirit are one, the triune God. And number four, teach them all of Jesus' commands. So pertaining to the command go, or going, it is actually quite different to decide how to interpret this. Uh, There are two views that are prevalent today. One is to give this word the character of an imperative or command in which it would literally mean go, The other is to give it an adverbial character like having gone or in your going or as you go. But apart from specific context, both ideas are grammatically legitimate. Uh, Greek participles can be used like an imperative or an adverb, just depending on the context and the usage. The command is more clearly stated in Mark chapter 16, verse 15, where Jesus says, Go into all the world and preach. Thus, we see that the usage and context indicate that the word should be understood as the command, go. But while this is true, we still don't need to lose sight of the fact that the main command in the mission, in this great commission, is that of making disciples. Without going, the command to make disciples is impossible, isn't it? 
we have to go. And in that going, we go and we tell people about Jesus. We lead people to the Lord, and then we make disciples. So we have to go. We go, it says, to all nations, which in the Greek is actually that word ethne for ethnic, for ethnic groups, pantata ethne, which means ethnic groups. And the world is made up of ethnic groups. You and I are part of an ethnic group. And about 42% of those ethnic groups around this world are unreached with the gospel. Think about that. Going is not a secondary option. We must do something that puts us in contact with people we can lead to Jesus and then begin the process of making disciples. So indeed, for some, this command to go is just that going to take the gospel to a foreign nation or to a lost tribe somewhere, going to ethnic groups in your own city. But for most of us, it's the going involves anything from hosting an outreach Bible study in your community, uh, getting acquainted with your neighbors in your neighborhood, and just going about daily life. Because one thing I want you to understand is this Great Commission is not, first of all, it's not an option. It's not the Great Suggestion. It's the Great Commission And secondly, it's a lifestyle. It's not a church event or some kind of ministry event, which events can make up part of it, but it's really a lifestyle. So wherever we go, we're on mission to tell people about Jesus and to make disciples. The word disciple, make disciples, what does that mean? Well, as we see, as we've been talking about, there's a progression, right? We go, we make disciples, we baptize and we teach those believers to obey the commands of our Lord and Savior Jesus Christ. The word disciple itself means to be a learner or a pupil. A disciple is one who is under instruction. It involves a teacher-student relationship. To be a disciple, one must first be a follower of Jesus. So then again, we have to go and reach people so they can become a follower of Jesus. Then we can make a disciple. It's interesting to see how disciples were back in the days of Jesus. And in those days, a disciple was called a Talmudim. The rabbi chose the disciple, and the disciple's objective was to learn everything the rabbi taught. They wanted to learn how he lived his life in order to replicate it faithfully, to train others, to do the same after the rabbi dies. So it's a very close relationship there between the teacher and the student. The rabbinical schools, they taught a true disciple walked so close to his rabbi that he was covered in the dust of his sandals and even knew which one he put on first. So we're talking very close relationship here, learning everything you can about your teacher. And this is how we're to follow Jesus. So we're to be in close relationship with Jesus. Now, as a disciple maker, you can help facilitate the process by explaining God's plan of salvation and having a person agree with it and pray to receive Jesus as their risen, resurrected Lord and Savior. And many people use what is called the gospel ABCs as a gospel proclamation. And that is, as you lead somebody in prayer, A stands for admit you're a sinner. B, believe that Jesus is the only Lord and that God raised him from the dead on the third day. And C, commit. Commit to him as Lord and master of your life through obedience to his commands. And let's look at some scripture with that. 
so you can be sure you can fully explain the ABCs of salvation to people. And number one, again, A means admit. You know, we need to admit that we're sinners. And if you're out there listening and you haven't given your life to Jesus, pay close attention, if you will. I want to speak to you especially, as well as teach believers how to share the gospel. So admit we're a sinner. We, we need to come to that point to admit that we have messed up. We, a sinner means to be disobedient to the word of God. And Romans chapter 3, verse 3 tells us, For all have sinned and fall short of the glory of God. So each and every one of us have. The only person who walked on the face of this earth who did not sin was Jesus. And then we read in 1 John chapter 1, verse 9, that if we confess our sins, he, being God, is faithful and just to forgive us our sins and to cleanse us from all unrighteousness. So we admit we're sinners. We admit we've fallen short. But then we see that as we confess our sins to God, he will forgive us and he will cleanse us. And then second, the B in the ABCs is believe in Jesus as the only Lord and that God raised him from the dead on the third day. Let's look at Acts chapter 4, verse 12. And there is salvation in no one else, for there is no other name under heaven given among men by which we must be saved. John chapter 14, verse 6, Jesus said to him, I am the way and the truth and the life. No one comes to the Father except through me. And then Romans chapter 10, verses 9 through 10, because if you confess with your mouth that Jesus is Lord and believe in your heart that God raised him from the dead, you will be saved. For with the heart one believes and is justified, and with the mouth one confesses and is saved. 1 Corinthians chapter 15, verses 1 through 4. Now I would remind you, brothers, of the gospel I preached to you, which you received, in which you stand, and by which you are being saved, if you hold fast to the word I preached to you, unless you believed in vain. For I delivered to you as of first importance what I also received, that Christ died for our sins in accordance with the Scriptures, that he was buried, that he was raised on the third day in accordance with the Scriptures. And then thirdly, C on the ABC stands for commit. Commit to Jesus as Lord and Master of your life through obedience to his commands. You're saved by grace, through faith, but saved to work, not saved by your works. So it's important. Some people think we can come to Jesus, come to the Father through our works. We can't. We can do good works for 800 years, but if we never, you know, if we could live that long, right? <laughs> but we could never do enough good to earn salvation. Jesus saves us. Again, it's by grace through faith. The work that Jesus did on that cross, that he died for our sins, and we believe that, and that he rose from the grave on the third day. God raised him back to life. The Word of God says if we believe with all of our heart, not just intellectually, but with all of our heart, all that's within us, then we shall be saved. Let's read 1 John chapter 5, verses 1 through 5. Everyone who believes that Jesus is the Christ has been born of God, and everyone who loves the Father loves whoever has been born of him. By this we know that we love the children of God when we love God and obey his commandments. For this is the love of God, that we keep his commandments, and his commandments are not burdensome. For everyone who has been born of God overcomes the world, and this is the victory that has overcome the world, our faith. 
Who is it that overcomes the world except the one who believes that Jesus is the Son of God? So Jesus is the Son of God. We believe that, and we believe it with all of our hearts, as he tells us. James chapter 1, verses 22 through 26. But be doers of the word, and not hearers only, deceiving yourselves. For if anyone is a hearer of the word, and not a doer, he is like a man who looks intently at his natural face in a mirror. For when he looks at him and goes away, and at once forgets what he was like, but the one who looks into the perfect law, the law of liberty, and perseveres, being no hearer who forgets, but a doer who acts, he will be blessed in his doing. So James is telling us, look, it's not by works that we're saved, but when we hear the word of God, we need to put it in action in our lives and be a doer of the word. Don't just listen to it, but do it. And he says, as we're doing it, we will be blessed. And yes, we will be. No doubt about it. Matthew chapter 7, verses 24 through 27. Everyone then who hears these words of mine and does them will be like a wise man who built his house on the rock. And the rain fell and the floods came and the winds blew and beat on that house, but it did not fall because it had been founded on the rock. And everyone who hears these words of mine and does not do them will be like a foolish man who built his house on the sand. And the rains fell and the floods came and the winds blew and beat against that house and it fell and great was the fall of it. So we must receive Christ. First uh, John chapter 1 verse 12, but to all who did receive him, who believed in his name, he gave the right to become children of God. We often hear everybody's a child of God. That is not true. We become a child of God when we believe upon the name of his son, Jesus Christ, and declare that Jesus is Savior and Lord of our lives. We also have to understand we, receive, we accept him through faith. And faith is such a huge part of this. We have to have faith. Without faith, we can't please God. But we accept him through faith. And Ephesians chapter 2, verses 8 and 9 tells us, For by grace you have been saved through faith. You see that? Through faith, our faith in Jesus Christ. And this is not your own doing. It is the gift of God, not a result of works, so that no one may boast. And when we do that, we experience a new birth. John chapter 3, verses 1 through 8. Now there was a man of the Pharisees named Nicodemus, a ruler of the Jews. This man came to Jesus by night and said to him, Rabbi, we know that you are a teacher come from God, for no one can do these signs that you do unless God is with them. Jesus answered him, Truly, truly, I say to you, unless one is born again, he cannot see the kingdom of God. Nicodemus said to him, How can a man be born when he is old? Can he enter a second time into his mother's womb and be born? Jesus answered, Truly, truly, I say to you, unless one is born of water and the Spirit, he cannot enter the kingdom of God. That which is born of the flesh is flesh, and that which is born of the Spirit is spirit. Do not marvel that I say to you, you must be born again. The wind blows where it wishes, and you hear it sound, but you do not know where it comes from or where it goes. So it is with everyone who is born of the Spirit. So Jesus is saying our spirit is reborn. That's the rebirth. When we believe in him as our Savior, as our Lord, we become a new person. And we are born again. That's where the term born again comes from. And I just want to give you an example prayer that you can pray. There's no prayer written that you have to pray. 
you just call out to Jesus the best way you know how. But here is a prayer, and if you're listening this morning and you're ready to make that decision, then just pray this simple prayer right here, but mean it with all your heart. Talk to Jesus. Pray to him and say, Jesus, I need you. Thank you for dying on the cross for my sins and resurrecting from the tomb on the third day. I receive you as my Lord, as my Savior. Thank you for forgiving my sins and giving me eternal life. Take control of the throne of my life as I obey your commands. Make me a person who emulates your life and teachings through the power of the Holy Spirit whom I receive upon salvation. Just pray something simple like that. Just call out to him the best you can. And I want to encourage you to do that today and receive his forgiveness, receive his love, receive his life, receive eternal life. If you have done that or if you have a question, please contact me. Our phone number at Love and Action is 334-494-4995. That's 334-494-4995. Or you can email me at ken.tuck at loveinactionministries.com. Ken.tuck at loveinactionministries.com. I'd love to chat with you. I would love to give you some new steps, the next steps, if you've made that decision or answer any questions that you may have. We are going to stop right there. We'll pick back up on command 48 and finish up with commands 49 and 50 next week. Well, I hope each and every one of you have a wonderful Christmas. Remember that Jesus is the reason for this celebration. So let's celebrate him and let's celebrate him every day. Y'all be safe out there and be blessed. And may the Lord bless you and keep you. May he cause his face to shine upon you and be gracious unto you. May he lift up his countenance upon you and give you peace.